Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Susan Walsh, I'm the fixer of Dirty Data and I'm delighted to be your host on this podcast. I'm the founder and MD of The Classification Guru. I bring clarity and accuracy to data, helping teams work more efficiently and effectively enabling better business decisions. In today's podcast, I'll be speaking with Kate Platanova, Group CDO at HSBC and Lorraine Waters, CDO at Solidatis. We will talk about HSBC's data visa approach to modernising data sharing and how this could be a beneficial adoption across the data industry. So let's do some introductions first of all. Um, We've got Kate. How are you, Kate? I'm well, thank you. Thanks very much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and how long you've been with HSBC. So uh, I've joined HSBC almost four years ago, exactly. Um, and actually, Lorraine was uh, was one of my inspirations because I've seen her in the industry events and thought, oh, HSBC is doing something right with data. So I want to uh, go and be part of that action. My overall experience um, is about 20 years in financial services industry. Uh, I've been dealing with data on technology side um, as a developer and then as an architect. Um, and then this is my first foray into a CDO role, kind of being uh, the business side of data. So it's quite exciting. Oh, brilliant. Thanks very much for sharing. And of course, I can't wait to hear more about Lorraine now. She uh, sounds like a bit of a legend. Oh, that was very, very generous of Kate. Um, thank you very much for that, Kate. And Susan, I'm uh, Lorraine Waters. I'm Chief Data Officer at Solidatus. I joined the company in uh, April and formerly I was the Global Chief Data Officer for Compliance at HSBC and Kate and I worked really closely together. Um, I held that role since 2015 and prior to that I was HSBC's uh, Head of Data Governance for the group. Um, Prior to that I consulted for a little while in data and before that I was Head of Data at RBS. So I've been nearly 30 years in the industry, probably uh, the last 10 to 12 years in data. And um, Kate and I worked closely together on the data visa program at HSBC. And it's one of the reasons why I joined Solidatus, because the engine that drives the data visa program is the Solidatus software. Such good experience working with the team and working with the software when we bought it initially into HSBC that uh, when they approached me to come back out of early retirement and join the master CDO, I jumped at the chance. Brilliant. Um, and we're going to find out more about that, but there's there's one burning question that I need to ask. So solid data or solid data? Data or data? Solid data. Data. Our, our colleagues in the US might argue with us a little bit on that, but it's, <laughs> it's solid data. Because it's definitely data here, not data. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I might change my tune if I go across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, you know, it's, it's important to clear these things up. So why not? Let's get started. Um, why? How about giving us a little bit of context to show uh, where we've come from? What was data sharing like previously before you started this project? Um, and how has digital transformation improved this? So, so, so let me hop in and just set a bit of... Uh bit of context here. So HSBC, uh, for for folks that don't know, um, is a massive um, international bank. So we have 64 locations where we operate. So therefore, 
we deal with a very, very complex regulatory environment. And um, local regulations uh, differ very vastly from, from one location to the next. Um, and we oftentimes require views of, of legal specialists in that particular market to help interpret the regulation and make sure that we're compliant. So creating data sharing agreements um, was very manual. It was time-consuming task. Um, it had to be sort of triple-checked to make sure that, that we're not um, error-prone in what we're doing. Because getting, getting it wrong would be super costly, uh, both in terms of time, but also regulatory penalty, reputational damages. So uh, you kind of had to operate um, all of that machine of, of data flowing from one location to the next um, within the right legal framework, quite in an analog fashion, quite manually. So, so that's sort of where we came from and, and um, the reason why we needed something different here. I can't even imagine the the mammoth task that it must have been, you know, even a decade or two ago, just trying to manage all that data. Absolutely. And, you know, even from a um, financial crime compliance perspective, um, this is where the initial data sharing problems were manifesting. We had a huge program of work underway where we were looking to acquire the data from a lot of those 60 plus jurisdictions that Kate mentioned um, across over 100 legal entities into our data lake to give us better capability, uh, analytics capability to better manage financial crime. And, you know, we have to look at the the kind of environment that we're operating in. As you can imagine, criminal networks are, are global. Um, they're very well networked. You know, they operate in a lot of the jurisdictions that HSBC operate in. So to give ourselves the best chance to be able to detect and prevent financial crime, you know, we had a huge program of work to acquire the data and to assess and analyze it. But these big programs of work were being hampered and slowed down by the difficulty in acquiring and accessing the data. And as Kate mentioned, it was a very manual process. You know, it sometimes could take months to actually get approval to take the data from a certain jurisdiction and share it with another jurisdiction for a particular purpose. And of course, depending on what the job description of the person who needed to analyze the data. So extremely complicated. It could take months. It could add months to a program. And so we felt we had to act to see if we could automate the process and simplify it for the requesters and for the legal and compliance teams who were supporting us in looking at whether we had the approval to share or not to share. So I, I guess over the over time there has been improvements in terms of digital transformation, but obviously something was missing. I mentioned in the, the intro about the data visa. So as I understand, it's a strategic initiative that's aimed at defining the future standards for data sharing um, for HSBC um, and possibly even the whole industry. So it could, sounds pretty game-changing to me. Um, what prompted the development of this data visa and how does it work? So as Lorraine said, we're really running um, this super important function in quite an analog fashion. And then um, as you also think in your, as different legal teams are um, looking at what's been done in the past, looking for precedents, you really need to have uh, a repository where those precedents would be would be housed for them to, uh, to be found very quickly and then um, you know, promote reuse and recycling. So 
DataVisa is our attempt to automate the approval process for, for data sharing, to kind of put it simply. And this is where the, 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 the magic and the game changing is coming, is it's not just to automate it, but it's providing utility to manage all data approvals across the bank. It's also allowing data transfer uh, requesters to obtain a very quick decision. And in the more kind of streamlined, straightforward cases, uh, be able to rely on a straight through process and, and on an automated decision rather than having to kind of engage a human being because there's enough precedence built into, uh, built into the engine. And um, w- what it consists of is a rules engine, a catalog of data transfer rules uh, where we encode all the things that are allowable by jurisdiction. And then um, it also has a simple user interface because we really need uh, project managers and folks that, that might not be deep experts in the data field to be able to interact with the system comfortably. So uh, we have an auditable record of, of the requests and um, associated outcomes uh, as Lorraine said, we are built on Solidator's technology. Uh, that's part of uh, part of the platform, and the rules, uh, very very crucially, are maintained by the legal teams. So, so we haven't taken away uh, the legal opinion that needs to happen in order for us to stay compliant. But we just massively, massively automated and simplified uh, how that legal opinion is expressed. Now you're making that sound really simple. Um, and I can pretty much guarantee that that is not the case, especially because, as you mentioned, you know, you're dealing with multiple legal jurisdictions and these laws can be a really daunting task for anyone. So, you know, what, what can you share and what, can, what do companies need to understand from your experience when it comes to allowing legal experts to access this information in one single repository? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, first of all, I think people do need to remember that in the world of data, conceptually, pretty much everything is very, very simple and common sense. You know, when when you describe something like that, everybody should go, why didn't you guys have it all along, right? That sounds like uh, the right thing to do. However, the execution and delivery of of something like this is indeed a very complex undertaking, partially because you really have to coordinate different teams and make sure that people are focusing on their strengths. So our lawyers are uh, experts in in the right local rules, in the right legal frameworks. So we had to uh, leverage that expertise to make sure that the those rules are coded correctly and then tested, and we can sample test and make sure that they're absolutely solid. And then the project managers for different programs, the data folks, they're experts in what data they need for what purposes and, and how it's going to be used. So again, we're really uh, connecting all of these skills through DataVisa and making sure that we're taking all the guesswork out of the process and, and kind of aligning people to do what they're doing best. And one of the big lessons that we learned is that launching something like that, right, there's a huge uh, communication aspect. So, so you have to be very, very clear about what's available when something's going to be available, what functionality is there, what's been tested, what hasn't. So, so um, we have to make sure we're kind of over-communicating on that front. And the other piece, and, and we'll touch on that uh, a bit later as well in more depth, is it's not just a platform, right? The platform can be absolutely amazing, but without operating model around it, without training, without um, kind of making sure folks are comfortable with how that platform works, um, it's it's not going to be successful. So so that's where a lot of the time uh, has been spent is making sure everyone 
is comfortable with the outcomes and does not uh, want to revert to the uh, analog world where everything has to be touched by a human hand. I would absolutely agree with that, Kate. Even in the very early days when we just looked at this as a solution within compliance, it was clear that we would need to engage with the legal team, the regulatory compliance team, the architects, the IT team, you know, as well as the data people. We as data people could absolutely visualize how using knowledge graph, and if you can visualize in your mind working left to right, we could uh, link the group-wide data sharing agreement that we put in place to our internal policies, to the um, schedules of what you are and we're not allowed to share, to the systems, to the data categories. Um, so using that left to right approach in a knowledge graph, being able to simplify the complexity and bring those teams together to, as Kate said, play to their own strengths. So using something like Solidatus, it's a very collaborative tool and each team can interact with the model. And HSBC building the workflow and the user interface allowed the legal teams and the regulatory compliance teams to interact with, with that model or that engine by presenting the forms that they needed to maintain in a format that they were familiar with. So, you know, our legal teams are much more familiar with Word documents, for example, rather than actually knowledge graph capability. So uh, I think that was really important that that workflow and UI was built over the Solidatus model to allow the teams to interact effectively with it. And it, as Kate mentioned, it's not just a platform. The whole operating model around creating that automated data sharing approval process was absolutely key and involved all of those teams working together. So it was a big communications exercise and awareness raising exercise um, that was undertaken because it was fundamentally changing how the process had worked in the past. It was absolutely changing the process, you know, revolutionizing it, to be honest, to enable these approvals um, to be sought and gained within minutes rather than months. That's phenomenal. Um, and, and without a doubt, you couldn't do this without the, the software and the tools, but it really does sound like the secret to your success has been the collaboration between all the different um, people involved in, in the project to, to make it really happen. I'd agree, yep. Great. So, I mean, you've already said that you have managed to shave uh, an amazing amount of time off of processes and things like that. Um, what has the process taught you about data sharing approval times, for example, and, you know, from an ROI and automation perspective, how have you benefited from this, apart from just the time aspect? So, so, so I think that the, one of the aspects that I would like to highlight that speed is, is great and cost savings are amazing, but we're also um, running a very, very regulated business. So uh, making sure that uh, we are compliant and we can prove it and we manage our risk uh, accordingly is is super important. So, so that's one of the benefits of this platform is, is again, it's all in one place, right? We can go and interrogate what's been shared for what reason, from where to where, and then, you know, why we've either given approval or not given approval. So, so that's a, a huge game changer for us that it's all sort of centralized. It also helps us with our controls agenda. So again, we can kind of show 
what rules are firing off and and if we need to tweak something it's not a matter of training you know sort of 100 200 people across the firm it's it's changing a rule agreeing the change and then testing it and then you know you can you can proceed and again bringing people and processes together it's what um, Lorraine highlighted making sure that people are more comfortable, again, philosophically with um, coding up the rule once, you know, articulating the rule uh, rather than keeping it in their mind uh, and then relying on that code to run correctly. That's a, a big, big culture change that I think is, uh, is part of the ROI. And it's important because, again, if we don't trust uh, digitization, right, and, and we keep... Uh, being tempted to go double check and let me go lay my hands on it, uh, we are opening ourselves up to very subjective interpretation of, of rules where um, something that's coded up in the platform is a lot more objective and a lot more transparent and clear as to how that decision was made without that extra potential judgment. So, so, so to me, that is huge because that culture change is something that we need to keep operating at scale um, and opening up the world of opportunity for our customers. I was going to say, so, you know, now you you have less people involved in the process um, and, you know, normally in a traditional approach, you might have a number of people involved and there could be different perceptions. Um, so has it reduced the number of people involved in the whole process? And has that improved accuracy, would you say, in, in, in the, the work that you're doing? Yes, yes. And, and again, you know, it's the, it's the promise of all things data, right, that people can go and do something less repetitive and more creative and, and not have to uh, go look at very similar cases over and over and over again. The machine can do that. So, so I feel like we're getting there. We're not completely there yet because the platform is evolving. So I don't want to kind of oversell it to go, it's all absolutely algo. Um, we're still on that journey. But yes, uh, we're definitely seeing reduced time to market and uh, less need for lots and lots of folks to convene and talk together. Um, they can go do some more useful. And even in um, compliance at the time, we had 400, the equivalent of 400 FTE involved in the approvals process globally. And, it, you know, it was just the amount of change and transformation that was going on at the time. Therefore, the amount of data sharing pools that had to be that had to be gained. So, you know, I'm not saying that we reduce the workforce by that, but certainly we would redeploy them onto other activities and initiatives. And as Kate mentioned, one of the key points around the you know, success of this program is the auditability. So you're able to show at, at any point in time why a decision was made. I think that's one of the strengths um, in the software and one of the reasons it was chosen by HSBC, um, as well as versioning. So Kate mentioned also that there are a number of local regulations around data sharing and data privacy. You know, if you look at GDPR, if you look at the California Privacy Act, if you look at you know India, Indonesia, there's so many new regulations that have you know started to emerge over the last few years. So being able to model the impact of that new legislation on your whole estate, your whole data estate and system estate is really powerful. We're certainly seeing that with other customers who are starting to follow HSBC's lead in looking at this capability. That's a huge future benefit for them. So the avoidance of cost and impact analysis. Absolutely. So 
you know, what are your hopes um, for the future when it comes to data sharing, um, not just for, for HSBC, but for the wider industry? Um, why, you know, why would people not want to do this? <laughs> I, I think certainly, Kate, I'm seeing um, other banks looking at HSBC enviously and thinking, how could they crack this? And, you know, if, if people haven't reached out to you already, they probably they probably will. It, it has been a perennial problem. And I think the collaboration between legal, you know, setting out a group-wide data sharing agreement based on corporate binding rules with the, the availability of the software. Solidatus is quite a new technology, quite a new young company. So 10 years ago, five years ago, this wasn't available. So we're now able to build in these rules into a lineage-like knowledge graph capability. Um, And I think uh, financial services and non-financial services, we're also working with some public sector organizations who are very interested in um, how they can better manage data sharing and data privacy, um, you know, across their entire estate and across their global organizations as well. So, you know, I think HSBC has kind of led the way on this. And um, uh, I, I am sure that other financial services companies and non-financial services will follow their lead. Well, I think it's great that you're actually sharing it with the wider world as well and, and sharing your successes. Um, it, it really sounds like something that, that could really improve the, the process for, for any organisation, um, not just from a, a process point of view, but legally as well. So it, it sounds like a, a fantastic um, achievement that you've, you've managed to, to make. And obviously, you know, it's a work in progress. Data is always changing. But, it, you know, I think, you know, how do you see it ch- moving forward for HSBC? What's next? So, so I think, again, kind of taking it from the macro level, like we are in the business of trust. Um, yeah, our customer expects us to treat their data properly and use it only when what we intend to use it for, keeping it safe. We have to protect our data like we protect other assets that customers entrust uh, to us, cash and gold. And again, more and more, um, as the world becomes more digital, data is on par with the, uh, those assets. So having very strong frameworks and ethics on how we do this is absolutely essential. So so it's not just the compliance, regulatory compliance perspective, but commercial imperative as well. So if we ever to lose trust of our customers, then we don't have a business. We must maintain it at all costs. And we are expecting the regulations to strengthen, to tighten. Um, We are a global organization. So we welcome moves to standardize uh, the way data is shared between countries, that would be um, a great uh, great dynamic for us because right now the, the regulatory um, uh, landscape is quite quilt-like and, and, and quite patchy. So the more uh, international standards introduced, the better. Uh, we, would, we would very much like to see that. And from our standpoint, HSBC is absolutely committed to becoming a data-led organization. So DataVisa is a great example of how we are going about that journey, how we're actually making tangible progress here. Um, and it's super exciting. 
Uh, it's good to point out as well that you, you're calling it a journey. You know, it's not like, okay, we've done it now. That's it. We can just put our feet up. You know, it is, you know, you're still working on it. Um, if we haven't already covered off um, the many reasons why others should consider data visa, um, is there anything that that we haven't spoken about that, that anyone listening to this who's thinking about it should be like, right, we need to do this for our organisation? Well, I'll recap if, if folks just joined and they go, what are you talking about? So first of all, uh, <laughs> faster delivery of projects, right? Faster time to market. So that should be uh, already uh, sounding interesting and um, getting people to be curious about this. Better compliance and reduced risk. That's what Lorraine's mentioned, right? Having all that auditable information in one place, being able to substantiate what the rules were like, why did we make this decision? What are they like now? What decisions we're making now and demonstrate adherence to those rules? Very, very important. And then again, it's allowing our data folks to focus on what they do best, getting value um, and insights from the data, not running around worrying about whether they're compliant or not. So, so it's playing to everyone's strengths in the company. And that to me are the three reasons to uh, engage with this topic. And, and from my perspective, I think, an additional reason is to uh, model the, that cost of future change. You know, we are seeing changes to privacy uh, regulations all the time, um, including the divergence, potential divergence between the UK and EU GDPR. So I've been able to model that, you know, before you implement the changes is is really important. Um, and also building on the model for data sharing, you know, you can start to layer on data privacy impact assessments, um, records retention policy. Um, and really interestingly, we're starting to see people look at the software based on a similar approach to how HSBC have implemented Data Visa to manage ESG commitments and disclosures and governance. So I think that they're the future for this kind of capability you know, whilst recognising that even at HSBC, who are leading in this space, it's still a work in progress. Lorraine, that's a whole other podcast. So if we, if we are invited back, right, I could talk about ESG nonstop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Exciting developments um, in that area as well. But it is on everybody's mind, right? How do you prove um, that X is Y and, you know, that's why you did Z? So it's um, the way of the future, I would say. Well, I'm going to say it's by data lineage using solid data. <laughs> oh, very smooth, very smooth. Oh, ladies, I could talk to you for another hour easily, um, but we need to kind of wrap up. But I can't finish up without asking you about your experiences as highly successful women in data. What advice do you have for young women coming into the industry? Uh, well, I can go first, given I've got... Um, 10 plus more years experience than Kate showing my age now. But uh, for me, it would be take a risk. You know, I have made uh, the biggest leaps in my career by taking a risk, um, taking roles that were probably slightly out of my grasp until I started them. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to take a risk. And there's you know, so many opportunities in data at the moment. As Kate said, you know, even HSBC is becoming a data-driven organization. So many organizations are. So skill up uh, in data and take a risk. I would echo that. So be curious. Um, my career path was anything but linear, right? I, I didn't set out to um, kind of 
be the chief data officer uh, of HSBC, although I'm delighted that I am, but it took kind of a windy path and it's okay, right? It, it's it's not a, a elevator up or, or, or whatever people imagine. So follow good opportunities, surround yourself with, with good people, mentors, and people that will not only support you, but also speak the truth to you. So, so that's, that's been uh, crucial in my career. You know, sometimes I didn't want to hear uh, what folks have to say, but I knew that they had my best interests uh, at heart and they would give me some feedback that will help me reflect and improve. And don't be put off um, by, you know, how, how data people talk, I would say. <laughs> I'm going to have a, a go at my own people. Sometimes we tend to be a little bit too technical, a little bit too jargony, a little bit not inclusive and inviting, uh, not because we're not inclusive and inviting people, but just uh, the specifics of the job. It's a little bit like cybersecurity. It, it feels a bit complicated when you're outside looking in. Just remember what I said in the beginning, all things in data are very, very common sense when you break them down. And it's it's perfectly fine to say, hey, I didn't understand what you just said, Kate. You know, Can you explain that again? And, and challenge uh, data folks to become more open and, and to enter this field. It, it's fascinating, it's exciting, it's dynamic. I would encourage um, all women to consider it. I would second and third that. And, and thank you both ladies. Regardless of the number of years of experience you have between you, neither <laughs> of you sound a day over 25. So, you know, that's all that matters for the podcast. <laughs> So um, as our time comes to an end, I would just like to say thank you so much to Kate and Lorraine for sharing um, their experiences today. I think the data visa just sounds um, really industry changing, um, not just for the banking industry, but, but, but for a lot of businesses. Um, the insights have been invaluable. If you, our listeners, would like more information on what we've discussed, then please head over to the solid solidatas.com website um, and from he- the folks here at EM360 um, I'm myself Susan Walsh the classification guru until the next time thank you so much for listening mm-hmm.